Welcome to The Confessional. I'm Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your funniest. Confess to us. No one's listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Confessional Podcast. My name is Mike Moran. And I am joined, as always, by trusty producer and birthday boy, birthday Jimmy. Boy. Yeah. Wow. Happy thank you, thank you. This means a lot, guys. Thank you. How old are you now, Jimmy? Twenty nine, baby. The big two nine. Oh Woo. man! So just as you enter your thirties, I'll be entering my forties. I'm glad yeah. it's kind of like that because, like, if yeah. you're still in your twenties when I'm in my forties, I would feel weird. Yeah, I about think about that. that. I'm glad everyone ages. You know, it's right. like it would be weird if I just caught up to you, like my, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like if I just became... Like if you went around the sun more than me. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm just faster, bro. I'm younger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Jimmy, we have, uh, we have two people in the studio today. Well, four, four people total, yeah. but two people in addition to you and I. Cumulative. Good word. Good word. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy, we have uh, our, our good friend um, co-hosting today. She's an artist. Ashley Ann Rutledge is here. Hello, I'm so glad to be back. Not your birthday, but we'll clap anyway. Yeah, clap. When when is your birthday, Ashley? My birthday is on Maryland Day. Oh, which y'all know when that is. So everybody should know, right? March 25th. (laughs) March 25th. Really? How did you know? No one ever knows that. I know my state. Man, yes, Maryland Day. State birds. I'm an Aries, very much so. Uh huh. Uh huh. (laughs) You're like. I have no idea what that means. I'll tell you this though. (laughs) For as, as bullshit as astrology seems to me, like it's <laughs> it, people are pretty dead on with it a lot of times. You know, like yeah. people just guess that I'm a Virgo out of nowhere. Well, it's probably right me. after you tell me your birthday. <laughs> right. Or they're just like, this guy's, if anything, he's a virgin. That's, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> now, Ashley, you have, uh, you have some art sales going on, right? I have. I've sold a good amount in the last couple weeks just awesome. off of Facebook nice. and Instagram. Great, great. Yep, yeah. Where can people find that? So it's just a personal page, which I've been thinking about creating an art page. I'm thinking maybe I should do that. Yeah, you but should. right now, Ashley and Rutledge Facebook. Um, Ashley the Artist is my Instagram name. Oh. And on fineartamerica.com, if you type in my name, Ashley Ann Rutledge Art, you'll see um, the prints of my original work. And you can get things like a ma- like a COVID mask, pillows. You could get COVID pillows. COVID pillows. Okay. COVID blankets. <laughs> So yeah, you can get a lot of cool stuff on there, like notebooks and stuff with my art on it. Of course, if you want the original, you can contact me directly. Awesome. But it's been, yeah, I've been selling a lot of my work. It's been exciting. That's great. Yeah, yeah it's really good stuff. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I enjoy it. It's uh, it's cathartic. Yeah, sure. Yeah. sure. Now, Ashley, mm-hmm. uh, t- two things I want to discuss with you real quick. Number one, our topic, yeah. which is... Philosophy. Philosophy, the yeah. love of wisdom, right? Or truth, the, the search for truth. Oh, okay. Isn't that... Well, I screwed that up. It's also, no, it is, it is that. I'm just <laughs> going off already on a tangent. And uh, the second thing I want to talk to you about is our guest today. Yeah. This fella is a, uh, a local Baltimore comedian. He does, he does stand-up comedy, Ashley. I have such respect for that. Well, you shouldn't. We're all horrible people. <laughs> oh, my God. You ain't wrong. 
<laughs> Never mind. And we have like the easiest Back up the truck. artist job ever. You know, like painting, playing music, dancing, that stuff takes work. We just show up <laughs> and and hang out at a bar. <laughs> and then we complain about how hard it is. It's like, God, it's so hard to like go hang out at a bar for a while oh, horrible. and get praise on yep. stage, you know? Like, uh, no, but we have uh, our, our friend Johnny O on the podcast. Yeah, so. thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. Woo! So, Johnny, uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with stand-up and where people can, can find you and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've been uh, been working around Baltimore now about two years and um, really starting to take off, starting to do a lot of feature work around nice. around the whole state. Uh, awesome. A lot of work down the Eastern Shore, actually. Uh, shout out to Triple B Entertainment. Uh, doing a lot of work trying to get comedy going in Ocean City, Rehoboth, Bethany Beach area. Awesome. Nice. A lot of fun this summer, yeah. It does uh, seem like there is kind of a, a, a lack of comedy in that area. Right. I know For, Ty, Tyler Dark was putting on a good show. Tyler Dark, another one of those guys. that a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, he's still got those going. Um, I did a show with his uh, fiance, Ashley Rourke, not too long ago. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and Stevie J, he's uh, he's one of the radio DJs down at the Secrets radio station. Oh. He's kind of behind a lot of it all, too. Is that a so. strip club? No, uh, Secrets is the big one with like all the water where everyone gets syphilis if you go in the water. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a risk. Syph- <laughs> it's a syphilic risk. water. Yeah, yeah. That's a good selling point. <laughs> it's a good place to go. Well, hey, you know who else had syphilis? Nietzsche. Sure did. Really? Mm. Yes, he did. He died from it. Wow. Yeah, he, there's videos of him. His sister like started exploiting his fame as he was dying. And he would he's there's videos of him just like sitting in bed like completely like out of it. Oh. People like just coming in and looking at him. Oh. Same really? sister that like altered his work so that it would fit into the Nazi uh oh, isn't that great? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Five dollars, come see Nietzsche die. <laughs> Family, man. They're the best. Right. Yeah, right. you gotta capitalize on that. <laughs> isn't that the disease where your nose falls off if you don't treat I, it? I like, think there are versions of that where yeah, that like in the in the off. I think maybe they were able to treat that by Nietzsche's time, but in in like the Middle Ages, like yeah, like flesh would just fall off your face. There's like zombie people walking around. Yeah, yeah, scary stuff. And yeah, now mm. it's so treatable, you don't even. It's scary. Yeah. Where, uh, but before we get into all that, where can people find you online, Johnny? Oh yeah, uh, at Johnny O Comedy um, on Instagram, YouTube, uh, Johnny O on Facebook, but uh, at Johnny O Comedy Instagram, best all way right. to find me. Cool. Cool. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, uh, let's let's just jump right into it. Mm. Um, why don't we start start with Johnny? Uh, you are a fan of the uh, uh, Marcus Aurelius. Aurelius. Before before you explain your love for for his work, um, remember in Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter brings him up for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think so. Wait, when he's talking to uh, talking to Clarice, I can't remember the quote though. Um, but yeah, I, I can see that though. Just the idea of Hannibal Lecter bringing it up, being you have a smile on, even though you're you're suffering, right? Uh, mm. That kind of dark. They, they, that, that's why he was such a great character. That that chilly and optimistic charm he had. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, true. Like he always kind of had a smirk. Yeah, he almost had like like he kind of was a stoic himself. In fact, that he knows how evil evil he is, but he can go around still being happy, carrying right. it with him, mm. right? Which is. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. But what is he? He's, he do you know what he's referencing in that? Like, what he, he's, he's kind of giving Clarice a clue. He's like, read Marcus Aurelius. Look within each each thing in and of itself, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, is that? Nah, I can't remember. Is that about the the moth? Trying yeah, to, something like that. Yeah, 
but the look within itself is that's kind of the whole point of Marcus Aurelius. But I guess in terms of the movie, I can't remember. Well, he kind of says like in each thing, uh, look at its essence. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Treat everything. Everything's part of nature. Right. Remember, everything's a part of nature. That kind of concept. Uh huh. Well, tell tell us more about what you enjoy about. Uh, what. Like what I love about it is it's so old. It's what he he was the last emperor of the Pax Romana, which is the Peace of Rome, which is phenomenal because Rome was just chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the end of a two hundred year span of like growth, happiness, um, orgies, peace. orgies. Yep, yeah, or plenty of those. Plenty well, of those. we should note though it was growth and happiness for a certain class. There's also a ton of slaves, of course. But you know what? He's the first. It's the first kind of example I've ever seen of them addressing slaves as you need to treat them as interesting as, as you would yourself because huh. we're all humans. Right. So he, he was really kind of a, he, he kind of had a little bit of the, of the love that Roman emperors were not normally known for. Exactly. Like he, he had like a, he had a decency and like a kind heartedness to him. Yeah. And it was so rare for someone with, as the emperor. Of, right. Of the right. It West. seems like back then it was all about being as big a dick as you could be. Yeah. Being like a powerful warlord. How like, do we keep getting more territory? How do right, we keep right. killing? Like dictator. And, and, yeah. And and the whole, his there's a book called Meditations, which is, it's all his writings, all his personal journals. Yeah, wasn't it? He was basically writing to himself, right? Mm-hmm. To like remind himself of things. Yeah, but be happy, yeah. be grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and then that comes out, even though you're, it, it's so cool that he didn't publish it himself, but like it comes out in your actions, right? If you're writing that, it's, it's part of who you are. Sure, sure. Are you familiar with Marcus Aurelius, Ashley? You know, I'm this whole topic. I've been thinking. I took philosophy courses in college like a long time ago, and was introduced to all the different types. But this one, I'm not not really a hundred percent like an expert on. But I do remember like Silence of the Lambs, like touching on that, and that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I just love that movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's brilliant. Cool. Did you know at the beginning of that he actually gives her a clue that nobody noticed? Really? The, he's his painting um, is of the Belvedere, and he like tells her, you know, like yeah, that's the Belvedere in Florence. Oh. And uh, the 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 uh, guy is on Belvedere Street at the end. Uh-huh. Yeah. No way. Yeah, that's funny. See, that's what I just a quick quick sidebar. That's what I didn't understand about that movie is like they sent her in because they had a feeling that he knew. The killer, right? That Hannibal Lecter was connected to yes. the killer, mm-hmm. and in yes. fact, he kind of probably created him in a way. Yes. And some mm-hmm. people have even speculated: Did he do that so that he would have leverage in mm. the future if he got jailed? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that sounds like an angle that he might right for sure right. use. Yeah. I mean that you know he was very about himself. He really like was. Very self-centered. Maybe narcissistic in a way. Right. Kind of weird that he liked Marcus so really. It seems like he'd be more of a Caligula kind of guy. Yeah. That's, so That's a charm, man. That's so sinister. <laughs> <laughs> charm is scary. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So do you, uh, do, you, do you adopt stoicism into your life? Does it have anything to do with your, your comedic life? Or? Oh, definitely. Uh, even like beyond that, just uh, I'm Irish. I come from a really traditional Irish Catholic family. Um, and the biggest part of of stoicism is accepting that life is hard. Life is suffering. Mm-hmm. And mm. it's just in my DNA of your life's hard, dude. 
Right. My whole life I've been told that. Look, get used yeah. to it, buddy. Yeah. No, that yeah. is a good way to look yeah. at it. And that yeah. was a hard lesson to learn when I was a kid. Because yeah. you grow up like the first few years of life, all you see is Sesame Street and people being nice to each other and mm. everybody's so kind. And then you start to realize, nah, people are fucking nasty yeah. in this world. It's a tough world. It really is. It yeah. is for everyone. Yeah. And then like once you start to accept the fact that people are jerks mm. and you don't like you there's old those old sayings, those cliches like Take the high road. Yeah. Don't go down to their level. Right. Mm-hmm. Make right. sure you always stay yourself. Keep to your values, your virtues. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the whole premise of it is life's just, life is suffering. So right. take it with a smile, buddy. Now, now what, what year was he around? Like, what years? Uh, I think like... Late 80s. 80, or 89 BC. <laughs> uh, so he's right Was glam metal popular then? That's right. Aurelius? He Aurelius, like 300. 300? Uh, way off. Yeah. Um, but, um, so is there... 300 BC? Yeah. 300 AD. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So th- so he may have been like influenced by Christ and Buddha and stuff by then. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it sounds like he has like kind of that. It seemed like around that time with like Krishna and Buddha and Christ, um, religion started to change from just being like a warrior kind of thing to like actually, you know, like being peaceful, trading with your neighbors. You know, yeah. instead of murdering them. 160 to 180, that was my bad. And really, yeah. in my opinion, this might be, a maybe not everyone would agree with this. I almost feel like that there was a, fem, that was kind of the birth of feminism in a way, in that it was probably women who were first like, maybe we should trade with our our neighbors instead of murdering the shit out of them all the time. Yeah. yeah. I you mean, know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, Christianity, you know, Jesus was one of the first people in that time to really kind of look at women as not right, property. Right. And like, you know, there's stories where he would see women that were suffering and he would say, don't do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's mm-hmm. not a bad person. And yeah, so, yeah. 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 Exactly. I think yeah, you're right about that. It seemed that. like there was a small movement towards like peace and acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there still was plenty of. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> war going on. I mean, even Jesus like said some some things that would be considered pretty violent today. Oh, absolutely, think, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, it's, it's it's interesting, like that change, uh, and like that's one thing that blows my mind about philosophy in general is uh, you look at Buddha, Buddhism, uh, Judaism, even Taoism, all the ancient religions, uh, and it's all kind of the same concepts, right? Like creation, they all have right. their own story. Of creation, mm-hmm. it's all about suffering. And then death and the end of the world. So like those are yeah. kind of four truths. Yeah, yeah. That always except for the end of the world one. I yeah, mean, what, yeah. that's weird how that's always thrown in there. Yeah, that's right. a whole other topic. But that's it's weird how like the end of the world is always like a thing with like religions and now like with cults. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. You gotta have fear, right? I guess so. so. That they'll maybe. do what they're gonna do. Yeah, I mean, like control maybe. It, well, it seems like they would control people by saying if you don't do this, you're gonna go to hell. Yeah, but well, they do. Yeah, maybe it has something to do with like I always thought about that. Like, where you you always have room to repent, though. You know, mm-hmm. like you can always do bad shit as long as you repent. And then maybe like the end of the world thing was like, but you don't know when you're gonna die because the world could like end. That it is, a, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's another reason too. Go back to Aurelius uh, that the world can end tomorrow. So live your full life today. That kind of attitude, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of religion, I mean, the biggest. Religion is tough because it gets ru- humans ruin everything, right? Absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> they really just fucking ruin everything. Yeah, the no, I mean, that Woodstock then, '99 documentary yeah. says it all, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Woodstock '99. That, that airbase was Mud fine bowl. before humans showed up. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, uh, it's what's so trippy, man. It's because, and especially now, the world's getting smaller with technology and communication. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. 
it's really we're all the same person, man. Just you think so? I think so. It, it, when it comes down to it, yeah, we our nature is pretty much the same. Yeah. But I do, I do feel like there are enough differences to keep things interesting. You know? Oh, for sure. Like some people are just dicks. Yep, that's the yeah. truth I've come to recently. Is like you, you don't want to blame others for other stuff. You know, like you want to realize that we all can be shitty at times. But I, I swear, there's just some people that are just horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, that's true. What are you gonna yeah. do, right? And it's a shame too, because like, oh man, it's like it's like as your kid too. You're like, yeah, I can walk this way. That's the same damn bully trying to ruin right, my whole yeah. life. And it affects you for a long Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't understand your, how long your actions can really crush <laughs> right, someone, right. too. Yeah, oh yeah gosh, I just don't. Yeah. It's like this world would be so much easier if people would just be cool to each other. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of that comes from internal like uh, misery, I think, when people are dicks. I, I would like yeah. to think that, but I'm not completely convinced of that. Really. I, I honestly think there are some people that just get off on being horrible and like abusing That's other people, and they really don't face any... Internal consequences. They just go on with their day. I really kind of think so. I think. I think you're right. A lot of times, that's the Mm -hmm. case where it's internal misery. But I do think there are some people that are just dicks, like psychopaths. Yeah, that that would venture to say that 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 is almost sociopath level. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like there's there's enough percentage of the population that I mean, like you think about just like the 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 crappiest person you know or you've had to work with or you've known. They're probably a psychopath. Like oh, there's right. a, enough of the population is that that you're gonna run into one every now and then. Married again. one, yeah. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's ex is a psychopath. He, he, some, he was legit. Was he really? There's <laughs> something to so. that. You read those serial killer books. They all get boners halfway through the killing process. They do. <laughs> what? Yeah. I swear, every one of them. They love they all, it. It's they all thing. get boners. They've all got boners. It's their thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to that power getting off of, like yeah. Well, I mean, the too. vast majority of serial killers, like that, they're just a perfect storm of like sexual sadism, yeah, and like and lack of empathy. It's crazy, you know. And it's a, like they don't care who it is either. Mm. They just don't have whatever we have, <laughs> right? It's right. not there. Right. It's well, not like they're what, like, what, oh, let me turn it off. It's like it just never. From what was I understand, there. the vast majority of sociopaths are pretty functional, and some of them are even decent people in that they they don't really feel feelings for other people, and they they don't really like they think other people are just way too emotional about stuff. Yeah. But they kind of understand that you, you know mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be treated this way. You know, like I. Well, you they know. can learn. Mm-hmm. They can memorize. Right. Okay. Socially, right. this is what I should feel or should react. Right. So if I'm going to get in a relationship and she's upset, I'm going to learn enough to know maybe I should comfort her now, you know, huh. versus somebody who might go, oh, my girlfriend's upset. I should comfort, you know, they're like right, learning right. that. Yeah. And I, I do feel like we all have that in a way. Like there are certain things where for some reason I just don't empathize and I've learned that yeah. I need to be like, you know, people have different issues and, you know, I need to... uh even if I don't feel it, you know, like mm-hmm. I need to like be respectful that other people don't operate exactly the same way I do. Could you imagine having to do that with everything all the time, though? That's exhausting. Like, yeah, no, but they don't, no but they wonder also they don't like care. go off. They're like, I'm frustrated. I mean, I, I think psych- psychopaths seem to be, but they they care so little that they're like, I don't think it really bothers them that much. If <laughs> yeah, it, you know, true, like, true. Yeah. True, I guess. <laughs> I guess they don't get stressed out. Why don't we read a confession yeah. before we discuss our uh, philosophies more? Sure. Oh, right. This first one is coming to us from Messy Tessie. That's what she goes by. New York City. I believe she's a comedian. My favorite philosopher. 
Uh, not a philosopher, but Poe and Plath had a outlook mm. so dim and scarily depressing that it matches mine, heart, heart. Two black hearts, I should add. Ooh. Love the black hearts. Poe had four major themes in his philosophical writings. Death, love, regret, and melancholy. Mm. Plath had many which were death, victimization, patriarchy, nature, the self, the body, uh, motherhood, sexuality, and love. Mm. She also questioned religion after her father's death to quote one passage would be hard. I love it. I get the sense that both of those writers suffered from depression. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean Sylvia Plath explicitly talks about I mean, it, but she like, put her head in an oven. Right, right. And I think yeah. Poe didn't really know what was going on. Oh, drug man. addict and yeah. Yeah. Just love so that, intensely. I feel like that that era has a lot of that dark melancholy kind of writing. And and I suspect it's like people who uh we're starting to experience depression in an age where nobody had any idea what that was or what was going on. Right. Or like people were getting smart enough to realize things, you know, that were, were um, unpleasant about humanity. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even, I think it was, gosh, not until the seventies where different psychiatric, like the DSM five or whatever started. I mean, things were looked at as moral problems. Like if you had depression, I'm a hipster. So I only do the first two DSM. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so, you know, both of those people were around in an age where any type of mental illness was mm-hmm. looked at as more like a sin yeah. or you're like emotionally defective. Right. It wasn't right. accepted as a, like a disease. Like mm. we are starting mm. to just now right. do right. for people. Yeah, I would have been screwed in that age. I would have Same. been like I made probably it. an alcoholic and killed myself before I was like 25. Same. For sure. Same. It's, Absolutely. How do you find meaning back then, you know? Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, no, when I read uh, <laughs> Sylvia Plath and Poe, mm. I really get the sense of like, I, I could totally feel this you know like yeah the raven i don't i don't know <sighs> what the hell that poem's about but it feels like depression like you just read it and it just feels like despair you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah. and i i love good art like that where it not yeah. only explains it to you but it makes you feel it like puts you in that that mode i agree you guys remember the simpsons episode where homer was uh like reading the raven and acting oh, it out. Oh, I think I, vaguely. That freaked me out as a kid. I bet. Because I, I was like, this I mean, is yeah. a dark poem. Didn't somebody turn into a raven at the end? <laughs> well, Homer Homer is like the character in the poem in his in his study, uh, yeah. lamenting L- Lenore, who of course is Marge, and uh, and Bart is the raven. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's a great piece it, of work. Yeah, and that was disturbing to see like. <laughs> These pleasant cartoon characters that I'm familiar with, like going into this world, they they even did it straight, pretty much. Like they they just straight up read the poem. Right, yeah. <laughs> was it Poe from Baltimore? Uh, he he died in Baltimore. Okay, he and had he... he lived a few different places. I think he had family in Baltimore and lived here on and off over the years. Okay. But he died in Fells Point, right that's, out front of the. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's the rumor. I don't know if that's accurate. I'm gonna have to call up the horse, dude. They claim that they are Poe's last stop. I know really? that. I know yeah. that they do. Well, he didn't die there, but they found him. I think he ran outside, like OD'd, like in a. Yeah, they crowd, served like, his last. Long, just found him on the ground, dead. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. They he served lived. His he last survived. Vegas bomb. He survived in the hospital for like a few oh, really? days. Yeah, oh, and really? he kept he kept mumbling the name Reynolds. Oh, Reynolds. Yeah. Reynolds. That's yes. cool. Now the the popular acceptance is that he was found outside of the horse, but I've read that that might be a myth. I think he might have been in some some random street, like a few blocks into Fells Point. Mm. I mean, that's not very poetic, dude. You got to right. say you died on Main Street. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, have you ever read any Poe, Johnny? Uh, yeah, man. Um, the Most Dangerous Game is one of my favorite. And it's, uh, it's like, it's, it's repeated so much. So many movies and different storytellers take that tale and make it their own of hunting humans, you know. Uh, just how... The, like the, surviving the game with iced tea? <laughs> except, except the pest, John Luizamo's finest. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the um, the one with Arnold in the eighties that was terrible the, from the Stephen King book. Oh, um, Running Man. Running Man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Running Man's horrible. Yeah. I love his name. So I'm Butch Jones. <laughs> no, you're not. They never like in those movies. They never address that he's a a uh, uh, European, giant European Nazi. bodybuilder. <laughs> like you know what I mean? They yeah. always just like there's never a reason for it. They just. No one addresses it. No one makes a joke. <laughs> it's just a top-notch FBI agent, yeah. American. It's amazing. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, but that that that's a freaky one where it's just like someone's chasing you, and the way he describes the thrill, of the hunt, and then the right. fear of, and then the change from being a hunter to hunted. Yeah, Lord of the Flies kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that was like my gateway into like we were discussing how, you know, we start to realize after you're a kid, like how dark the world actually is. Yeah. Like I saw that for some reason, my parents let me see the 1990 version of that movie when I was like in third grade. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it like opened up a world of reality to me. I was like, this is actually humans at their heart. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yep, yeah. We, we like to build resources and kill each other. Build up resources, kill. That's all we do. Right. Over right. and over. I do think we are getting better, though. I mean, better. I think, uh, you know. I'm definitely a proponent of like we live in the best possible age. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but uh, Ashley. Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your favorite philosopher? Well, this is such uh, this is such a tough topic for me to pick a favorite, but I don't know. Well, I look at MC Scat Cat. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite writers and philosophers. I find him extremely fascinating because he often makes an argument in his essays or books to the idea of natural law, which I believe in. And it ties into what we were just talking about. Like, are humans naturally good? Or we naturally have darkness and then we need to be guided? Or we need to have, like, where does it come from? Mm -hmm. Like, if humans really sit around and we're like, okay, well, we need to be better where do we get that from do we make it up ourselves or is there something in everyone that undeniably when you're little you can just kind of feel what seems not good and what Mm -hmm. seems good Mm -hmm. is it all from my parents well it can't be because I know people that were raised in very different homes right and I'm like man but they just kind of knew right from wrong and Mm -hmm. so different philosophers will they'll disagree with that Sylvia Plath actually gets into that a lot yeah and so I love his work I mean Mm -hmm. he's he's a Christian and he makes an argument a lot of times for this is why Christianity is the way right which I mean you know, you could make that argument for a lot of different religions that sure. teach good principles and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I do, I find them really fascinating. And I love that idea because I've met people that are like, no, that can't be a thing. And I'm thinking, I don't know, man. Like when I was little, I just kind of knew, like if I was on the playground and somebody was hitting a kid, like it's that visceral yeah. reaction of that's yeah. not nice. Don't do right. that. Right. And I think well, if natural law didn't exist, we would die out. True. Yeah. Uh, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, if really, if we're just at the core, like, you know, we're not guided by anything. Mm-hmm. Why would I believe what so-and-so says? You know, right, and that gets right. into like logic and that whole thing, which is a whole other side of philosophy that I just love because I love learning 
how to argue Absolutely. better. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. I want to win the argument. Absolutely. See ya. Um, what did, what did C.S. Lewis write? Did he write like Screw a... Screwtape Letters. I um, thought he wrote like a... Narnia. Yeah, Narnia. Narnia is okay. like, you know, he did fantasy, but then he also right. had like essays, you know, The Great Divorce, like different things. Oh, that's really, an awesome title, The yeah, Great Divorce. Yeah, he really <laughs> dives into just... I mean, and I think, and gosh, I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know this detail, but I think he wasn't always like a Christian or didn't always believe this uh-huh. and then like started studying it and then was like, oh man, like this makes sense. So mm-hmm. natural law is one of my favorite topics. Because how, how literally does he take um, Christianity? Like, is he more of a, you know, I mean, he's a symbolic? Christian. No, he, he, he's. But like, it seems like there's some Christians that, that literally believe the Garden of Eden happened and there's others that are like, it's well, a he symbolic was a Protestant. kind of story. I believe he was Protestant. Mm. And so I think, and the Protestant faith which is how I grew up you know it's more literal than you know Catholicism or other right, types of Orthodox right. Christianity which has a little bit more mythical right. maybe this is more you know abstract mm-hmm. versus you know I grew up in Georgia and the Bible Belt so it's like what the Bible says is what the Bible says mm-hmm. and there's no room right you know churches have gotten a little yeah, dude, better they, not, I, I don't believe that but you yeah. know in Virginia we literally like read Bible stories in class like in a public yeah. school yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah that's that's crazy public school <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, because I identify as a Christian, but I have a more open idea. Like, mm-hmm. I love science, right? Yeah. And I believe in science. So mm-hmm. I believe that the two don't have to be separate. Yeah. And yeah so, no, I believe and, in a lot of the tenets of Christianity. And he was the same. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 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 He's a complex writer. Even learning books as a kid, they're, they're tough to read. Even as a like, yeah, really. Fantasy. He was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So, so his philosophy kind of crept into his fantasy writing, too? Yeah. yeah Narnia is. Based on Christianity. Oh, okay. Aslan, so it's like a metaphor. God, and then, you know, Aslan is sacrificed by, you know, the witch, and that's supposed to represent the devil or evil or the darkness, uh-huh. which is another argument for natural law because we know there's the good, and then we're like, you know, tempted, you could right. say, by the right. other, sure. you know, and different religions have different words for the mm-hmm. devil or Satan or, yeah. I don't know, maybe just a part of us that's not good. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Gene Wilder. Gene Some Wilder. might call him. Yeah. Like that. That's terrible. <laughs> I like Gene Wilder. Stand up or uh, I was thinking about this earlier the way in uh not Gene Wilder remind me of it, but Mel Brooks is uh History of the World Part One, stand up philosopher. One of the greatest bits ever. Oh yeah, I don't know if I've seen that. It's great. He's I, uh, I saw History of the World years and years ago. Yeah, it's a it's okay. It's I, it's it's funny. It's it's typical Mel Brooks movie, but he plays an unemployed stand up comic. And he uh, he's in Rome, and he's going to get his check. And it's, uh, what's your job? Stand up philosopher. Uh, he's like, what do you mean? He's like, uh, to take uh, I coalesce the virtues of the world and blah blah blah. Like, ah, professional bullshitter. <laughs> <laughs> Did you try to bullshit last week? Yes. Here's your check. <laughs> Love it. It's true. And I do think a lot. Of, a lot of it's you know, there's no one game in town when it comes to comedy, but a lot of the great comedians are also philosophers. Really? Oh, yeah. I think so. I think so. Too. That makes sense. I just never thought about it that way. Right. I mean, you know, it's about truth telling in a lot of ways. You know, for and me, your perspective I, on it. Yeah. In my little um, bullshit uh, evolutionary theories that I've thought about, I like to like think about. Because, you know, I've looked at stand-up comedy and been like, what is this? You know, like, what is the function of this? Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of figure maybe it's like the, um, the, the person in the tribe that kind of eases people into truths by making them funny. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult too, right? Because um, especially today, uh, I mean, it's, it's easy to say, but 
to really make a point without hurting anybody or offending anybody and making sure it's still funny, right? You, right. you don't, you're not yeah. doing a Ted talk, which some people get into. Yeah. You kind of trap yeah. yourself a little bit. Yeah. Comedy writing is still very, very hard for me. I have to admit. Yeah. I'm still not, it's still kind of just at the mercy of like what pops in, you know, like it's, it's really hard for me to will it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ashley, would you consider Christ to be a, a philosopher? Yes, I do. I think that, um, from a religious standpoint or spiritual standpoint, it can be the same, you mm. know, a, a philosopher. He had a philosophy, sure. right? He was teaching about what is truth and mm-hmm. what is meaning. I mean, so his parables and walking around and I mean, he was definitely a human yeah. and, and, and he was kind of a Socrates type character. Um, right? You know, if you want to go to the next level as a Christian and believe that he is a deity, then, you know, that's what Christianity is about. But if, you know, at the least, even people that right. aren't Christians can, can look at the new Testament and go, yeah, like yeah, this is, definitely. and it was a different type of teaching at the time because he really shook a lot of what religion was up. Right. And he would approach, I mean, he spent most of his time arguing with religious people and the rest of his time hanging out with criminals and prostitutes and degenerates and people that were, you know, sick and lame and, and that nobody wanted. And he hung out with those people and he walked around, you know, and he just taught and Mm -hmm. he taught a lot of beautiful things. And so, and a lot of what he taught was just kind of, you know, those things that you just kind of know, like, you know, being good to your neighbor and, you know, not judging people and free. He taught a lot on forgiveness. Like Mm -hmm. his whole thing was, okay, everybody has been doing all these rituals and sacrificing. And of course, you know, spoil alert, you know, he was the ultimate Mm -hmm. sacrifice in in Christianity to kind of end that. Mm -hmm. Cause at the time, you know, human sacrifice was really common um, in different religions. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, shortly after that. And so, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why I really fell in love with CS Lewis's writing because he kind of saw that side and wasn't just like, these are the rules and this is the book and you're a bad person. If you don't follow the Bible, it was more like, let's kind of look at it differently. Like what is it inside of us that searches for meaning or religion anyway, right? Because right. religion has never died off, mm-hmm. and even people that aren't religious, I'm spiritual or I believe in something. Well, why do you believe in something? Right. Because it comforts you, or is there something inside of you that's like, God, there's got to be something? And so that's what Jesus kind of talked about. So yeah, I, I agree that he was a philosopher. Yeah, me that's too. my Jesus tangent of the day. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. what, what do you think of the the J man, Johnny? The other J man. The other J. The sorry. the J man <laughs> is Johnny O. That's right. Capital J over here. Uh, there's uh, Jimmy too. I guess. That's right. Yeah, birthday, Jim. You take it. That's right. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, exactly what you said. Uh, definitely philosopher beyond that. Probably. Um, it's it's interesting. Um, it it it's kind of you look at history. It kind of builds up to that point of. You go from Socrates, Aristotle, even Aurelius, and then uh, it's taking the old way and kind of flushing it new, where mm-hmm. Judaism, a lot of it is still paying for the, the sin of Adam and Eve. Right. And then Jesus is going, oh, this is over with. All right, you guys, <laughs> enough of that. Enough yeah, of that. Yeah, we need something. This is like 5,000 <laughs> years old. We don't need to, like, we yeah. need to get over this. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it kind of turns it on the individual himself or herself. Right, right. right it's not just, hey, it's not just the Ten Commandments and the Torah. It's, you got to go out and be nice. Just, mm. You got to go beyond yourself. Right, right. Exactly. Actually empathize yeah. with other people and realize. I wonder if that's an intelligence thing, too. Like, as people got more intelligent, 
you just realize like, wait, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. So, I mean, for me, yeah. that's, that's a lot of like, you mm-hmm. know, when people, people say like, you know, well, if you don't have any moral, like, you know, if you don't, uh, believe in so-and-so, then why aren't you just out there raping and killing everyone? Yeah. Like, wouldn't you just rape and kill as much as you want? And my answer is like, I do. You know? <laughs> <Which is> zero. <laughs> I don't want to rape and kill people because yeah. I empathize yeah. with them. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, you know, if somebody pisses me off, I, I don't think like, well, I, I could just kill them. And then, you know, like I think like, well, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be killed just because I was having a bad day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so usually yeah. I stop myself. Well, that's good. Yeah, you I'm glad to with hear it. it. Yeah. At I'm least three out of four times. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. It's pretty keep good. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. <laughs> now, do you guys think there was a uh, historical connection between Buddhism and Christianity? Mm. Historically? Ooh, that's a good question. There's a lot in common. There really is. It's a really a striking amount. Yeah. And it certainly, like we were saying, kind of speaks to the age of when people were becoming more trading instead of tribal. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I almost kind of think there's too much in common that it, there might have been some connection there. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm just thinking, because I don't know enough of, like, the details. Like, what when you say there's too much in common, like, are there th- things that are so strikingly similar that you're like, yeah. Like, what would you say? <sighs> well, besides maybe not. The, besides the idea of what they're both kind of trying to it, get out. It's not. I can't think of any. I mean, the story of Buddha is kind of like the story of Christ. Is it like when he was? Is it as far as when they're younger? Because I feel like I've heard that before, too, but I can't remember. He well, Christ's uh, Buddha's story was that he was like. Actually, maybe they're not that in common. Now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was like a prince. He was a prince who was protected. His father like made sure to protect him from all the evils of the world. Mm. And so, and then one night, I think he sneaks out of the the castle and he sees that there's sick people. And he's like, "What the hell is this?" And then he sees that there's old people. And like the mm. guy with him's like, "Yeah, everybody gets old. Everyone's gonna get sick at some point." Mm. And then he sees bodies, and he's like, "What?" And uh, he's like, "Yeah, everybody dies. There's no way of escaping this." And yeah. he's, so he's like, "How do you escape that misery?" Yeah, I I don't know. I I have a different take on it because of Christianity, like a lot of the New Testament is there's suffering and there's going to be suffering. And Mm. and Jesus actually said there will be suffering in this world. Get used to it, snowflakes. And and Buddhism (laughs) talks about it too, but it talks about kind of getting the absence of attachment is big or the absence of maybe taking on the suffering, whereas Christianity Mm -hmm. is like, look at the suffering, don't ignore the suffering and know that God will help you through it. And also there's more attachment theory with Christianity, but they're both very much in tune to like being a good person and being kind. And um, like, again, like a lot of the ritualistic stuff with Mm. both Buddhism and, you know, modern Christianity, it's, you know, it's similar in that facet, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Although I thought I heard a story, and I can't remember what country it was, but it might have been in Asia somewhere, where like the story of Moses in the Old Testament, there's an identical story at like, really? the same time in Asia of something like that as well. So I think there are, like when it comes to religion on a broader mm-hmm. topic, there's a lot of crossover Definitely. Well, stuff. like the hero's journey too. Like, you know, stories in general, mm-hmm. you know, from ancient cultures sometimes yeah. are strikingly similar. Mm-hmm. Um and those are all interesting too, because those kind of tell you about the truths of Absolutely. humanity. Joseph yeah. Campbell, yeah, like, yeah. Are you, are you a fan of Campbell, Ashley? I don't know Campbell. I don't know Campbell. He either. makes amazing soup. <laughs> Campbell's. <laughs> That's terrible. Campbell's. No, Joseph Campbell. He did the whole like hero's journey thing, where he pointed out that like almost all 
like ancient hero stories have like the okay. same traits gotcha. and, and yes. like like a tons yes. of movies and, and books of today still follow that you yeah. know like star wars almost is like the christ story mm-hmm. but told differently yeah. well that's why the vikings were when a lot of the viking population became christian very easily and the reason was because if you study their culture and valhalla and their god when the Christians came over, the missionaries at the time came over and started explaining Christianity, they're like, yeah, we can get down with this. Why? Right. Because the principles were so similar yeah. that they really, they were like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, okay, defend your property, but don't go out and just murder people, yeah. you know? And yeah. I mean, people think the Vikings were just like barbaric, but they had a code. And so when Christianity showed up, they're like, yeah, that makes sense, which I always thought was wild because when I think of like Vikings, I think of like they don't care. They're right, just, right. They just going out there. Yeah. And... But like apparently they were really down with wow. it because of their principles with the afterlife and who God was yeah. and stuff like yeah. that, which is fascinating. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But warriors are so disciplined too. So like if you yeah. find like a, like a true warrior kind of spirit and another way of living, like let's take that. The same kind of attitude with it. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like the discipline of the soldier and the... Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if you look back at like some of the Spartans, even though even though they were like horrible war mongers who like enslaved tons of people, you can still kind of like respect the discipline. There is like, kind of a so spirituality the in like the, that movie yeah. Three Hundred. Man, I love, I love that movie. Yeah. The but they totally they totally make the Spartans look way better than they were. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, they they failed to mention that like. Tons of people at there was way more than three hundred people there. Number one, and yeah. uh, a, a lot of more slaves. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It was. It, it was true in that it was an amazing feat. In that I think they had like five. It was like three hundred Spartans and then like four thousand other people. Yeah, like uh, some Athenians and some a bunch Held of slaves. Off, yeah. Um, and I, and I think the numbers on the Persian side have also been exaggerated. It was more. It was probably more like four hundred thousand or something like that. Yeah, but that still is an amazing feat. That yeah, they were able absolutely. To do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's go to uh, Daniel Robert Campbell. Oh, coincidentally, from Campbell. K- Carterville, Illinois. Illinois. Hard to go wrong with Socrates. Mm. I could go with Camus, but the Socratic method was just too much of a paradigm shift to deny. Likely one of the most important inventions in human history. Yeah. Yeah, it started off thinking. The idea of thinking, how crazy is that to even say out loud? Think. <laughs> Do you Sorry. think there was a time when humans just didn't really think outside of like, what are we going to hunt and how are we going to... They gonna... didn't have time, yeah. man. They're running from the, the I don't. I don't know bears. if that's true. I don't know if that's true, Ashley. I don't mean to contradict you, but I've heard that like in the woolly mammoth days, like you could kill one woolly mammoth and you're good for like months. Yeah. And you got plenty of time to hang out and eat, eat mammoth meat and yeah. create all sorts of... Really? Uh, well... I guess maybe the first time describing thinking or what the hell, why we're doing it. Like, because even like Plato, Socrates, the, the allegory of the cave, right? About is it just what's in front of me or is there more to this life? Do I got to free myself? Yeah. Like, and right. Just the kind of one layer thinking or survival. Yeah. You're just only on earth to survive. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. point of really thinking, right? Yeah. That's this gets into the part of philosophy that I love, but also gives me anxiety where it's just like, thinking about what you're thinking about and what another <laughs> yeah. person's thinking and it's about. Like, where's are the you, end? But like, are you even thinking? Because, you know, like what is reality? Like all that stuff. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. Like, and that's, 
like we were talking about before the podcast and um, Socrates cave thing uh, kind of speaks to this is like we only see a fragment of reality. And, and that's something that, you know, like like we were saying, like I, I kind of had this take on like first I, I believed in Christianity and religion mm-hmm. and then I kind of believed in like. I kind of went the opposite direction and, and just kind of believed it's a cold, sterile world where we just we just live and die and there's nothing. Yeah. But then, but nowadays, science has gotten to a place where it's like, yeah, that's true on some level, but it's only a fragment of reality. Like science itself is just the putting together of the fragments of reality that we can see. And, uh, you know, we don't know, we have no idea, like, there's no scientist that can explain to you why we're here and what Mm -hmm. we actually are and what life really is and what consciousness is. So it it gives me hope, honestly, because that makes things more spiritual in Mm -hmm. my world to know that there's like so much that we don't know. We have no, like, anybody tells you they know what happens after death. They don't know. They don't, no they one don't. knows. No one's ever come back to talk about it. Right. (laughs) No one's been like, yo, I'll tell you what happens uh, on the one-way yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah so, whatever. That guy didn't get enough credit, Dracula. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Lazarus. Yeah. He didn't, man. That's a wild... Yeah, I mean, Jesus, you know, in Christianity, obviously, you know. Can, right. So, you know, if you if you buy into a certain religion and, and you believe it, you could, you could say, uh-huh. well, no, we do know what happens. Right. But right. on a broader, like, if we're collecting everything that the world's ever thought of and considered... Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, man. Yeah, they say one thing, and we're right. saying another. Right. So, right. That's know. why it gets so contentious. You're talking about it. We're, you know, when someone gives you that smirk when you tell them what you believe, they go, "Huh, really?" <laughs> you know, yeah, very condescending. Like, yeah. I don't want to. Huh, you I believe hate, that? I hate that's you cute. so much. Right. Like, well, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just a do. I, I kind of was that guy when I was younger. To be honest, with everybody really? goes through it yeah. a while. Yeah. When I was like Mister Know It All, atheist, yeah. you know, in my t- early twenties. Oh, stuff. you have but the like, answers. Huh? Don't atheists? That's a lot of faith. I think to to believe yeah. in the absence of any faith or any higher power. I look at that as like, man, you have more faith than I do. Uh huh. I, that's the way I think. Yeah, about it. I mean that's that's kind of how I think about it now. Is like you really just don't know one way or the other. Yeah. You know? Um, Johnny, what are your uh, your th- what what do you think of as reality? Like, what do you think's going on here? Mm. Yeah, it's tough. So I'm a pretty simpleton, and for me, it's like what's in front of me. Mm-hmm. Like life's already hard enough. Right. I can't go beyond what's what I got to deal with. So you're you're an in the moment kind of guy. Yeah, selfish too. Well, I, I believe in rational selfishness. Yeah. I, I believe you should make your life awesome. You just don't hurt other people. Do yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the only way to. Hey, Bill and Ted summed it up, man. Yeah, uh, party on and be excellent to each other. That's all you got to do. That's I it. love it. It's not bad at all, actually. <laughs> don't yeah. hurt other people. Do no harm, and then uh, fucking party. God gave rock and roll to you. Absolutely, kiss. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, dude. That blew my mind. That was actually kind of another life changing moment when. Uh, we walked out of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and they played that song at the end. Yep. And then I found out that it was a Kiss song, and I didn't. I loved like a, my friend's older brother had posters of Kiss all over his walls, and I was like super fascinated with them, but I'd never heard their music. And then I saw the video for that where they showed like all the old footage of them from the seventies. Yeah. And that was like a, a revelation for me. Like, this, nice. this is awesome. Yeah, but you come across a real Kiss fan, you start to really understand why they're so big. Yeah, like, no, I I love Kiss. Yeah, like, like I I don't think they're like the greatest artists in the world or anything. And there's lots of stupid crap about them. But overall, like I love the whole spirit of like just crazy yeah. rock and roll celebration. You know, yeah. like you can tell Paul Stanley like really loves rock and roll. And crazy, like, you know, it's awesome. Are you a Kiss fan, Johnny? 
Yeah, but not like that. Uh, I like like I like their hits. You know, mm. I never really got too far into it. Yeah, as far yeah, it's I mean I don't like listen to them all the time. They have like a few songs that I'm into, but more more it's just like the whole spirit and vibe and. Feel oh, I get it. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's cool. Do you like Kiss, Ashley? I do. I dabble liking some classic rock. Awesome. So, you know, <laughs> dabble with that. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, Jimmy, why don't you tell us a little bit about your favorite philosophers? <clears throat> I'm glad you asked, Mike. Start with Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will say that, you know, the last guy, I think the last guy we were talking about was uh, Socrates, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he's, he's in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was really what kind of opened up my whole uh, world. I remember when I was in my freshman year of college, and uh, I don't know, I kind of hit that like early 20s thing sure. too, where I was like, dude, I'm about to just know everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so then I just stopped doing any actual schoolwork and would start studying philosophy. And I, I, I did take a philosophy class senior year where the, uh, is it pronounced allegory of the cave? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to say allegory forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. prettier sounding. I like it better. Yeah. Allegory that could that'd be a nice girl's name. Yeah. 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 Allegory. allegory. Yeah. And uh, that, I mean, just short. that kind of like, like the the kind of realization that you're talking about that like like shadows on the wall you know like that like yeah. is, what is reality and things like that and I kind of I did I did take a deeper dive I went into um actually Rene Descartes had, was another guy who mm-hmm. had a book called Meditations mm-hmm. and he was the I think therefore I am guy yeah mm-hmm. um yeah. Yeah. which I never quite you always hear that saying um but I never really understood what he meant by that and I guess what kind of not blew my mind because these were things that Socrates was talking about too. And um, another thing, Marcus Aurelius was a student of uh, uh, Greek stoicism. Was a Greek ancient Greek philosophy, mm-hmm. um, and and they consider he didn't create it. He was no. like more influential. Oh, no, okay. there was a guy named Epictetus. Oh, he was yeah, a yeah. Greek philosopher, and, and kind of the same situation um, with Plato and Socrates, where Socrates was a teacher. And Plato right. was the a student who was yeah, writing yeah. things down, and then of course, Aris- yeah, Socrates never wrote down anything. Himself, yeah, he was right? he just went around yeah. teaching. I mean, some people was, have even questioned if he's real. Like Plato just Plato made, made him up. Yeah, made, made, made him up. Yeah, but I think uh, Marcus Aurelius was a student of in the kind of same fashion because Aristotle was a student of Plato. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's kind of passed down and, and standing on the shoulders of giants. Right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, Alexander the Great was the next generation, right? Was he? I think he was taught by Aristotle. See that's cool. Oh yeah. yeah, that's cool. I always, I always find it fascinating when you see the connections Absolutely. between certain things. You're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Alexander yeah. was taught by Aristotle, right. mm-hmm. but you know, with Rene Descartes, the idea that um, he was sitting there trying to figure out what, what do I know mm. for sure? What, what is it that I know for certain? Mm-hmm. And he was going through all these things. He's like, well, I got two hands, and he's like, but wait, do I? Because this could just be like a figment of my imagination. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. He's going through all these things, and he came to the conclusion that the only thing that he knew for certain is that the fact that there was something mm-hmm. to perceive itself as, in his case, Rene Descartes, mm. and the fact that there was something perceiving means that at the, the only thing you know for sure is that something exists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to think that it is you or... Mm-hmm. The next guy, or to be having a delusion of being in a room with other people, even though we can't be assured that this isn't just some kind of, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like some kind of yeah. fever dream. So I did find that fascinating to think that, like, when you really whittle it down, the only thing that you can really say for certain is that something exists. Yeah. Which ultimately begs the bigger question in my in my mind is where's the beef? <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> no, it's um, it's it's why is there anything? I think I struggle with that. Not struggle right. with it, but I, it does fascinate me that there just could have 
just as easily right, could right. have been nothing. Right. Like the fact that there is something. Yeah, it's hopeful. That feels good to me. Yeah. It's like this is it, no matter what else, this exists. Yeah. And that's kind of awesome. You and know? that's yeah. and that's the bigger question. Not the bigger question, but on the same plane is like, you know, why is there anything a? Uh, I'm sorry, I lost complete complete track of thoughts. <laughs> <Completely. laughs> now you're thinking about the beef, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I know the beef got me, dude. Why is there anything? Why me? Why? Right. Well, there's why, something like, instead now? of nothing. Yeah, and that's that's what I that's and another thing something. that makes me think like there might be like life after death or whatever. It's like it's weird that we're here now, you mm-hmm. know? Like we have no idea like mm-hmm. why or how or like um, I don't know. Sometimes I think the, kind of with Buddha, the the guidepost was suffering, like. Yep. Uh, we know suffering is real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You do suffer in life, and mm-hmm. it's real. And it's not a delusion because you feel it. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes I think maybe our whole reality is created out of the avoidance of suffering. Yeah. 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 No. I do find it fascinating. I think also that in this day and age, I think the more, you know, Socrates would say, the more, the more I, the more I, know, the more I know I don't know. You know right. what I mean? Right. You know? Yep. And like, ju- yeah. It's a... Uh, it kind of the more you study into philosophy yeah. and science, well, they're coming to the same answer, right? Because you know, if you're somebody, let's say, who's an atheist or you've d- devoid of any belief in a higher power or anything like that, the thing that I find interesting about science is that whether you're a, a diehard, like science only, I only believe in like what can be proven and blah 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 blah, or like you're complete opposite of that and you're completely like strict religious follower, you both culminate at the same. Uh, central question, which is, how did something come from nothing? Right. We yeah. do acknowledge that this universe exists. We do acknowledge, you know, at the very least, like Rene Descartes says, that I think, therefore, I am something exists. And did that thing always exist? And if so, how? And trying to understand how is it that something could have always existed? That something is right. just perpetual. Yeah. yeah, it breaks your brain. It, it does. And yeah. and and the fact turtles that, all the way down. You know, <laughs> that's what I always get to is like you know, science is is putting numbers and and discovery. We're not inventing. We didn't invent gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, three hundred years ago, before Isaac Newton came up with the theory of gravity, this still would have fallen at that same pace. <laughs> we just put a number on it. Yeah, we put a number true. on that's it. A good point. We didn't invent gravity. It wasn't yeah. like before Isaac Newton came along. Everybody was just floating around. Right. Oh, right. thank God for inventing gravity. <laughs> Isaac Newton. It's like no, that shit always existed. No, I'm mad yeah. at him for inventing it. I want to be yeah. floating around. It's, it's like it. science is reverse engineering, which yeah. already yeah. engineered. Yeah, it's and true. it's I think it is a, a testament to human arrogance to think that um, you know that because I want to, on the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence, right? You know, Ooh. and this Ooh. this idea, yeah. you know, that that like if you look back at some of the people who consider the smartest people ever, Isaac Newton. Einstein, guys like that, they all seem to have one thing in common, which they all did ultimately acknowledge that there was something beyond what right. we were experiencing here. Einstein said, if you don't believe in a higher deity, you haven't thought about it hard enough. Mm. Isaac Newton said something similar to that effect. The more I learn about Ow, science... my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The universe is just telling him to get a Red's Apple Ale, and he went way off his fucking rocker. <laughs> well, Jimmy, what you brought up that, like, to know that we don't know, I've come to the conclusion that that is what makes us separate from the other animals, mm-hmm. is, like, we can actually imagine, we can be like... I. I don't understand this thing. Like, I think, like, other animals just kind of assume, like, this is just reality and this is what goes on. Like, they don't yeah. have the capacity to be like, 
wait, maybe there's stuff I don't understand about this, and maybe there's something more. And I feel like that's where imagination and scientific theory comes yeah. from. Well, I think not knowing, you know, it is like the it is the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Because every it's like it's like getting good at anything. It's like when you get good at guitar, it's like. You know, when you first learn how to play a chord, you're like, oh, sweet. But then once you know how to play a chord, then you realize because you've practiced guitar that long, how good how good you have to be to do the next thing. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like the more you know about something, the more you're, it's like right. anything in life. Right. Like I'm imagining comedy. That, that kind of gives me hope, too, though, because like with comedy and stuff, like sometimes it feels like, all right, I'm only ever going to be this funny. Like I'm never going to be. It's just a linear thing where hopefully I pick up some skills along the way but it's like i thought about it recently it's like why can't i train myself to be just more funny you know like why and the people say oh you can't do that and i'm like why the fuck not why can't we acknowledge that we don't know something and then like try to get better at it yeah, yeah. i mean i think funniness i think funniness is a general it's more of a mindset than a skill i would say i think that the ability to Atmosphere. look it's it's like your in the way you interface with the world, I think, is what makes something funny. And I think, I don't know if you can necessarily you can practice kind of. Uh, I guess I would go back to the gravity thing. Like the force of gravity exists whether you put a number to it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess in the same way, I would look at sense of humor as like you know, you when when you learn a specific language and you learn better words and you you get better at punctuating your words and cadence and how to deliver a message in a more concise manner on mm -hmm. stage. That is the skill. But the ability to go around and notice things that are funny and come up with the right, concept, right. the premise, I don't necessarily know if that is something that can be, uh, I guess maybe I could. I would say it could be practiced. I, I don't know. As of now, it's not generally accepted that you can do that. Like, it's yeah. like you either have that spark or you don't. Like but, an art. But it's kind of like I, intelligence. I feel like why can't, like I've been kind of meditating on that a lot recently. Like how, why can't I just tap into that special thing? Mm -hmm. That uh, you know, I like some songs just have that magic, and some mm -hmm. don't. You know, yeah, yeah. some comedy has that magic, and it's like, and it's different for. I mean, it's all all subjective, but it's like for me, it's like I I want to figure out a way meditatively to get into that world of creativity and imagination, you know, and and expand it. What do you think, Ashley? I think that is the whole category and philosophy of uh, the aesthetic, which is kind of questioning, like, is it about the artist? Is it about the art? And like, what makes something beautiful or something good? Or in this case, what makes it funny or mm -hmm. what can make it funnier? And it's about the perception. And like you said, I mean, for me, I believe, yeah, you could tap into that space because I believe in things like the law of attraction and the law of assumption. I believe in the energetic metaphysics of being able to create your own reality and create experiences that happen. And that's a whole nother tangent. So yeah, I would think that because like for me with my art, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I could go to a different space with it. But then, you know, because I had somebody pick up a piece the other week and he was asking me, he's like, am I supposed to feel something or am I supposed to know what your art is telling me? Cause it's abstract. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I paint feelings. So if you're feeling something from my painting, yeah. then I know that I've been successful, yeah. but he actually measured success on looking at the painting and being able to, to educate, like he had like an educated guess on maybe what it was yeah. about. And then he fell in love with that nice. and bought it and felt right. like that that gave him connection, but neither one of us were wrong, right, but it's right. that whole like category of 
the perception of is it about the art is it about the artist yeah, what makes yeah. art in comedy you know i look at it like yeah. entertainment is an art so i look right, at it like right. that so mm. yeah i guess it's just and and that's the whole like you know what is real what whose perception mm. is right you know we're all living in a different reality at the same time my so, favorite yeah. kind of art too is the abstract in the sense that it's like when you don't know what it is yeah. but you can relate to it like there's instrumental songs that uh tell a story pretty much with just sounds you know mm -hmm. what i mean and that's my favorite kind of stuff yeah. is what you just feel it you yeah. know what i mean yeah, exactly. i was thinking too about like um you know that song um uh by rem the uh the one that's like hey kid rock and roll yes that song is so haunting and melancholy and the lyrics are so like cliche rock yeah. you know like nobody tells you it like it, it, almost it was gonna be kiss lyrics mm -hmm. yeah but they somehow find a way to mysteriously turn that into something completely different, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I'm so jealous of musicians. Uh, I got wish I could practice guitar or practice jokes like you can practice guitar. Right, yeah, you don't have... I, I wish I could just play with a band. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then I can make I can make sounds that make people happy without even talking and it's it's so cool it's it's uh yeah. it's a beautiful thing mm. and uh like what you were saying can you get funnier it's like yes but it's up to you because you can't it's how much time you want to put in because the only way you can test it is in front of a live audience right yeah that that is the tough part so it's really time we, and energy we get like five minutes at an open mic and that's all the practice you get yeah, yeah. but that's part of, of what i've been trying to figure out too during the pandemic is like uh thinking like how can i circumnavigate like how can i overcome Get that yeah and, and just like create it in my in my head to a degree i mean you always have to test stuff out have to yeah but i do think a lot of times i feel like since i've been doing it so long i've gotten to the point where i can be like okay i'm pretty sure that's gonna that's gonna work or that's not gonna work yeah. you know yeah I, I try to go around it too now just time in life is getting shorter and shorter for trying out five minutes mm -hmm. waiting Behind 15 people who probably will never do comedy again. Yeah. yeah. Galloway. Right. Just quit. That, that is the tough part. <laughs> Get better it. friends. Your friends should have told you you stink. <laughs> it's just a PSA. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of cheating a little bit, even myself and the audience sometimes, I feel like, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to stick to these cornerstone jokes and fill in what I think will work now. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of doing practice in front of live audiences. Right. It's like I'm kind of cheating them and myself a little bit sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, it's, yeah. what else can you do? That's, that's the only, only way I, to do it. Yeah, like, for me to stay sane, too. Yeah, an open like, mic is for you to bomb, basically. Yeah. Like, for me, if I'm not bombing at open mics, then I'm not pushing myself. Yeah. you got to really? try new shit. Yeah, you got you to, gotta like... For me, it's... Even though I'm starting to get more of a sense of what works, it still is shocking sometimes what... I think is brilliant that other people think is horrible. I know. Or that I I yeah. think it's just a throwaway joke that ends up, you know, killing. It's yeah. similar with my art. Like I've had pieces that I painted. I've been like, no one's going to like this. And I sell it in 24 hours. I'm like, what are you, wh why? <laughs> I don't say, I mean, you know what I mean? Like I just right. look at no, it and I'm like, you. and I'm like, oh, and then I have like something that I consider a masterpiece hanging on my wall. And people are like, that's, you know, I mean, just no one's bought it yet. And I'm mm. thinking like, what? This is, you know, but it's like, is it the art of the artist? So it's really interesting with comedy because I always wonder with comedians, you know, how, you know, because I hear like you can go to trainings or like there's schools or like, you know, oh, I studied under this yeah. person and I always wonder how that works with comedy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's just so interesting to hear you guys talk about that because I'm like, is it? 
do you have to learn more about people or is it learning more about your delivery or what do you, what do you do to get better? Like, what do you study? I mean, I ultimately, I think it's usually just the confidence in the vibe that is the most important thing. Like, I mean, and everybody's different. There's all kinds of different comedy. Everybody has like their own journey, their own path. You ultimately have to figure it out for yourself what you really want to do, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, more than anything, it's it's just the if if you can get up on stage and feel pretty comfortable and confident, mm-hmm. then you've got like sixty five percent of really? it. Really, yeah. I think so. One of my favorite quotes ever was Colin Quinn saying, uh, "The one thing you can never do as a comedian is let the let the audience feel sorry for you. Right? Like, you right. don't come prepared. They're like, oh no, right? This yeah. is horrible. Like it's like the one illegal thing in comedy. It's like you always have to be prepared and and." You can be so you, you know it's gonna you, you know it's killed before and whatever it's not your night and it is what it is but yeah, you're still prepared and yeah. they still know you're they still know you're right. professional mm-hmm. you have each other a tight set and yeah I mean everybody's gonna bomb sometimes yeah. but it's like I try to be, take the attitude of like it's not gonna be because I didn't prepare enough or yeah. because yeah. I didn't you know like that's, uh, that's interesting and kind of back to your point about putting out a piece of art too like uh, to kind of set home with me a little bit of like even trying new material like. You're putting out new art. It's a little bit of yourself too. Yeah, I love absolutely. that. Over that fear of like vulnerability. Of, yeah, I love that. It's Definitely. the only stand up. It, it's the only art I have. It's the only feeling I like, since playing sports as a kid, where that adrenaline mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. like. Here we go. It's yeah. Definitely. That, yeah. yeah. That's like a real I, fear. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a fear every time I make a new post or any time that I'm like you know sending my work to like a local gallery like for an upcoming show saying you know like it's like okay I'm putting myself out there and that's why I tell people and I've said it before who have my art and hang it in their home I'm like you have like a part of me yeah like hanging in your home or your office because like that was something inside of me that I threw on a canvas and whatever they see they're pretty much Jeffrey Dahmer it's different (laughs) than what I see and that's the the, the philosophy of the the aesthetic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and like I said like the Mystery is always the thing that's important for me. Like the uh, the when you when you're like this is brilliant, but I don't really know why. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah, like people when people talk about music, like they're always kind of like you know, oh, it's I like heavy guitars or I like bass like this or this drummer's really good. I always think like give me the mystery, give me the thing, give me like the vibe or the feel that I don't understand. It's like a magic trick in my brain, you know. Yeah. That like makes me feel something and I, yeah. and, and you know, there's, and it's not because the drummer's like really good, you know, like, I mean, obviously competent musicianship is the best way to deliver it, but mm-hmm. it's like, for me, the best songs aren't necessarily by the most skilled musicians, oh, you know, yeah. it's just about that special something that you can't explain. And that's yeah. what I'm really trying to capture in this uh, original band that we're doing. Like I wanted to just be good songwriting it's really cool. yeah. instead of, you know, anything else. Uh, all right. This last one is from. Oh shoot! She she told me how to pronounce it. Uh, where get it her, right? She has she has a very nice first name. Uh, Amethyst. Yes. A- Amethyst, like the stone. Oh, she I said. love That's that. Cool. It's a very pretty name. Uh, last name Baron, and she's from Toronto. Uh, my personal choice would be Victor Frankel because mm. man's search for meaning has helped me in many different moments. Um, uh, that's pretty much it. But. That she wrote, and she, and she lists some comedians as uh, philosophers as well. Uh, Harry Condabola, Norm McDonald, eh? Alok Void Minson, mm. Alok Vade Minson. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think a lot of comedians are are uh, philosophers, and um, 
But uh, Victor Frankel, you familiar yeah, with him? Yeah, actually? yeah. Wasn't he in a concentration camp? Yes. And he um, did he hold onto a piece of bread or something? He like held, had like an object, and his philosophy kind of was. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, but he was in a concentration camp and it was about the meaning is what gave him hope to survive and hold yeah, on and how yeah. like that is so important, which is why I personally have a problem accepting, embracing and living a meaningless philosophy. Mm-hmm. I can see at times where I've been through some tough stuff where I can maybe lean into that. But yeah, I think meaning is in purpose is yeah. what really drives me as a human. Um, and I can see how that could could be a good well, way to kind of. Yeah, wasn't his whole thing like if? Well, I think he even like talks about Nietzsche a little bit in uh, *Man's Search for Meaning*. If you have, like Nietzsche said, if you have enough, you can get through any how if you have enough why. Yes, and that was kind of his thing. Is like the the most important thing in the concentration camps was to not give up hope. Yes, but uh, apparently a lot of people have like uh, criticized him for that too. So they're like, okay, so everybody that died uh, just wasn't trying hard enough, you know, like. And it's yeah, I think I think like the there's there's some truth that. to both sides. Like there are other factors, you know. Yeah. But it is like super important to have meaning. But let the man have his story. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like he's yeah. not hurting anybody else. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I really uh identify too with when he um he kind of explains how like the worst part of like the treatment was just the indifference from the from the Nazis, you know, mm-hmm. just the not giving a shit about human suffering. Yeah. Like that's always freaked me out. Like in, in movies and stuff, like when it's usually played for laughs when someone's just like killed, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. like uh, the Joker and in, in the old the first Batman is like Bob Gunn and then he just shoots Bob dead. You yeah. know, like yeah. that type of indifference towards death and suffering always freaks me out. It is yeah. the scariest part about the whole Holocaust thing is those not those are those were citizens two years before they became guards at those camps. I know. They were I mean there's movies from Germany. Like they made Nosferatu like a few years before all that started happening. Like it's it just seems so modern, you know? They were just regular people and then they became part of a killing machine overnight. Like I know. Well it, it it plays into what I've heard said before, which I agree, which is like the most powerful thing is power. People, when you power, is it love or is it power? And you hear power because mm-hmm. you see stuff like that, and it's like, right, right, you know, yeah. yeah. I think man in general, mankind is like finally starting to like. For me, I never really cared that much about power. I don't think. I mean, I'm sure I did in some ways, but for me, I was. I've always just been more about like having a good time. Like yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. usually like, why are we like fighting each other, picking on each other and shit. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just like party, you know, yeah, like I'd yeah. rather do fun stuff in life. And yeah. You know. yeah, but you know, I'm sure I've, I'm, I can't say I'm completely <laughs> not guilty of, of that at times. Yeah. I'm sure there's been times where I've, you know, wanted to be the, the powerful guy and be the cool guy. Yeah, who knows? So you're in that position, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's what I always think. Like, would you be the one person in Germany the one out of like a million who can be like, this isn't cool, you guys, you know? Yeah. Like, it's hard to be. It's, 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 it takes a lot of courage. I think it's damn Especially near impossible with them. for humans. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. The but culture. She's she's from Toronto and this, Norm MacDonald, one of my favorite jokes she tells is like, everyone says they go back in time and kill Hitler. I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> yeah. like, I'd hear his speeches right. and get lost in his beautiful eyes. And knowing me, I joined the party. Like, oh, shit. That's Dude, it's, if, it's standing up against a popular norm in a society is the hardest thing, I think. Yeah. It takes like, so much social courage. pressure is. There's honestly things that I, I don't even, I won't even talk about that because they're too taboo that I kind of feel like are, you know, completely go against the grain of like what's 
what's a, a popular norm in our society. Yeah. One of them that I will is like this. I People are almost like offended when I say that like the world is getting better, you know? Yeah. Like that's a thing where people are like, okay, straight white male, you know, yeah. it's like, but it's like, eh, objectively there's less poverty. There's less, you know, yeah, there's bad shit going on. Yeah. I'm privileged, but like you can, uh, the number of like war deaths and disease, you know, like it's, yeah. it's modern medicine. We kind of hit the lottery yeah. with where we live. Right and also now. as a straight white man, it's always been great for me. I'm saying it's getting better for you guys. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Someday you're going to be like me. That's right. You keep striving, people. You can get there. Uh, Guys, this has been an amazing conversation. I kind of yeah. think we should do a part two or something sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I agree. This has been awesome. Absolutely. Great topic. We have anything uh, we want to touch on before we wrap it up? Any uh, any more thoughts on uh, Marcus? or? No, uh, this has been a lot of fun, man. It's, it's cool diving back into things I haven't read in a while. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate the time. It's been sure, a lot of fun sure. Yeah, let, let's do it. Let's do guys. a part two, like in the next few months or so. That'd yeah, be awesome. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna spend my whole way driving home, wondering if this really happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, take take a moment. Think you could be. Here's another a quick side note. Yeah. I have also discovered that I can be in a dream at any given time. Yeah. Like this easily. Like every time I'm in a dream. And I, and I start to think, is this a dream? Mm. I'm like, if this is a dream, anything's a dream because this feels 100% real. Inception. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's <laughs> <laughs> a whole other topic. Um, all right. But uh, Jimmy, happy birthday again. Jimmy. Thank you very happy much, birthday. guys. Appreciate it. Happy birthday. And we will see everyone next time on The Confessional. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs>